0: This message by Phil Whittle was recorded at the Relational Mission Church Planting Conference 2015 in Burkle, the Netherlands. Right, I'm going to ask you a question in a moment before we get into even introducing um, the, the kind of topic. And what I want you to do is I want you to write down or in your phone or on a bit of paper, whatever you use, the first answer, the very first thing you think of. Okay. Um, not try and think about it. It's your very first thought. You want to try and capture it and just put that down because uh, when we hear back, I want you. I don't want you to kind of give me what you then think about. I want your very first thought. And um, we'll just see what kind of answers we get. So, and there's no, no no cheating as well. You have to show someone. This was my first thought. I haven't thought of it later. Um, if you were to to find to know yourself what would you do first write it down to know yourself what would you do first your very first idea in order to know myself i would do this to know 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 your personality your character your gifts your strengths your what would you do first very first idea you think of Okay. So, everyone thought of something, don't, we, don't want ages to kind of, it was very very first reaction. I'm going to try and make it a bit more interactive. I think for me, it's, this is Friday afternoon, don't know how you're feeling, but um so talking with each other. So, in order to know yourself, to find out about yourself and who you are, First, what would you do first? Give me some of the things that you have, uh, the things you've written down. Ask questions. Okay, Okay. Anyone else got ask questions? Who else has got ask questions? Okay, we've got we've got three for ask questions. Yes. Play sports and drink beer. Place to know yourself better. You would play sports and drink beer. Okay. Anyone else got that down? <laughs> I want to take myself a coffee. Yeah, take yourself for a coffee. Okay. Anyone else? you'd ask other people so ask questions yeah look into the mirror, into the mirror to know yourself better look into the mirror okay get into nature and spend time with God nature time <laughs> is this what you've written down you okay you wrote down okay great yeah anyone else got something different sorry you would travel okay Hmm. anyone sorry do you try new things? Okay. Mhm. Mhm. Okay. Anyone? Any? Any more? Any different things that we haven't said already? Ask your wife. Ask your partner. Yeah. What kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so if you wanted to know your strengths, who you are right now, these are the things that you would do. Is that right? It's interesting uh one of the first things i thought of was just doing a personality test on google the very first so my the seminar is knowing your sweet spot knowing your contribution and uh how do we find that place where where our contribution uh, and who kind of matches and we things happen around us and life is good on mission in the context of church planting because we're operating out of our our strengths and uh, so that's what I that's what I felt uh, anyone here done a personality test before or oh, is there anyone here who's not ever done a personality test type thing or people go what are you talking about no we've all done one of those who's done Myers-Briggs okay yeah most of us um uh at the end of this, if you, if you leave me your email, I'll share, I've got all my notes on, on Evernote, I'll share it and you can um, have the links to the different things that I found in part of my research and I'll share that and you can then just have it and um, rather I haven't printed anything out but I'll share it with you by email afterwards. Um, so there is a b- whole bunch of personality tests online, Myers-Briggs probably the most famous one, I've got five or six that I looked at, I've, I've filled in a few over the last couple of days. Um, And uh what that was one of that was understanding my contribution, the very first thing of because I've done a personality test was that's what I thought of. I thought of Myers Briggs. Um and I didn't think of the Bible. That was my very first that's my first thought. Um and I just want to say a few things about personality tests. Who found them helpful and revealing when you did them? Anyone? Find them interesting, helpful. Kind of. Who found them distinctly unhelpful? Anyone find them didn't help me at all to do a personality test? Okay. Some people maybe in, be, in between. Um, so I know, for example, I am. If in Myers Briggs, I am ENTP. I am somewhat extroverted, uh, intuitive thinking, perceiving approach to life. Uh, here's the results of one uh, another test I've done, which gives you four kind of leadership types. There's sanguine, there's melancholic, there's choleric, and there's something else I can't remember. Um, and uh, my temperament is choleric. Uh, the choleric temperament is fundamentally ambitious and leader-like. They have a lot of aggression, energy, and passion, and try to instill it in others, They can dominate people of other temperaments, especially phlegmatic. There's the one, I've forgotten phlegmatic types. Many great charismatic military and political figures were choleric. They like to be in charge of everything. However, cholerics also tend to be either highly disorganized or highly organized. I can recognize that. They do not have any in-between setups, only one extreme to another, as well as being leader-like and assertive, choleric also fall into deep and sudden depression. I'm like, huh? It's not me. Uh, essentially, they're very much prone to mood swings. Uh, so, that's, so I read that, and that's um, some things I recognize and some things that I don't. Here's the here's result of another test, okay? Your top strength is spirituality. Your beliefs shape your actions and are a source of comfort to you. I'm like i knew that already (laughs) yes i'm a committed follower of jesus you've told me absolutely nothing that i didn't already know um and i think some of the things about personality tests just a few comments on them is that um you're the one answering their questions so actually this is stuff you already know a test is trying to help draw out what is in you and show it back to you a little bit of a, a a mirror but here's the thing extrovert or introvert Shaper, influencer, innovator—I've had all of those terms used to describe my personality of a personality test—and you will have different words that, when you've done these kind of things, you want to know your strengths. You go through an assessment, and you'll do this if you uh, apply for a job. They'll have some kind—you know—if you go into a training program, uh, a work program, a career path, you'll do all sorts of different assessments um, to, to kind of f- understand you and your contribution to the company that you're working for. Um, None of these things describe me in biblical terms. Not a single one. Um, And I don't that mean by the exact words, but the idea of the, the way of thinking about it. So, for example, there is no personality test that can take into account... The gifts of the Holy Spirit. And not a single test you can do that the humans will come up with that can take into account the fact that God may gift you with a supernatural gift. What personality test can account for the interpretation of spirits or the word of knowledge or healing? Right? Can't, doesn't, doesn't have that that in its frame it also doesn't account for the fact that i am sinful uh, or that i have been redeemed um so there's no test that that kind of reveals those things um so we must remember that the christian life and who we are goes way beyond personality tests so knowing trying to do an assessment of who you are the bible i think approaches things in different ways we'll get to that so just with the person near you, one one person, two people, if it's easier, um, how would you define character and how would you define personality? And are there differences? So just one minute, just with the person next to you, definition of character, definition of personality, and are, and are there differences? Oh okay have we got yes. any did you who thinks there's a distinction between the two two words does ev- everyone tends to think there's a difference between personality is one thing character is character is something else um for, for me, personality would describe things about whether whether I am funny or serious, whether I am charming or whether I am rude or, 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 or no, maybe not rude, maybe direct. Uh, maybe personality might tell you whether I am polite and mannered uh, or whether I am kind of. Humorous and unconventional, gruff or, or withdrawn or, you know, that, that might describe, those kind of things might describe my personality. Character will tell you whether I have courage or whether I have humility. Character will tell you whether I have self-control. So character, personality tests don't deal with whether you are a kind person or not. They will tell you whether you're a engaging person or not they won't necessarily tell you whether you're a generous person or not personality doesn't necessarily deal with those kind of things um doesn't deal character will tell this person has got great peace in the face of trial or joy in the face of trial personality probably wouldn't try and describe those kind of things so if you if you like personality for me is an understanding of things that are surface expressions of of who I am the kind of uh, way that we would engage each other and you would engage someone's personality but character reveals much the things that are much deeper within you and within me that's anyone come up with um, de- definitions that would be radically different to what I have just said. Uh, or someone, anyone disagree with what I've just said? And it's fine if you do. Anyone got something very different that you would like to? Roger. yeah I, I, I think for a lot of people that would be how it feels um i think that human beings we're very we can train ourselves and teach ourselves all sorts of things so personality and how it comes across you know people can pretend to be something that they're not and in worst cases you know you see that as a, as a great as, as people will see that as a great deception um, but in other places it's also I've I was this I didn't like that I have trained myself to be this um, so uh, my per, some people's personality at this moment in time would be lazy and they say oh well, I'm such a lazy person you know that could be in person how I approach things actually I train myself so that, but that deals with character I, be, I have to draw on self-discipline a character thing so if, if, if you can see that kind of but I agree with you for most people it's you know, that, that's kind of how I've always been or you know, how they, they feel but we can I think we can work on aspects of our personality. So I we'll to try and learn to be funny, for example. Some people who are not natural comedians can learn how to do stand-up. People who are not natural speakers can learn the skills of doing that, and then they become a different kind of person this is what the whole you know you'd see that in contemporary culture with a makeover right you see you see someone has a as a a makeover in how they dress and how they look and it begins to shape their self-confidence and their self-confidence then produces out of them a difference you know for at least whether it's not a sustained change but it would be a change for for a season at least you know so i think but i do get that's for most of us that's kind of how it feel the bible of course what does the bible mostly deal with most, most deals with character so what kind of person was Jesus what was Jesus' personality some people would say we must have been fun to be with Other people would be, oh, this guy's very, you know, he was serious. Or, You know, we would project a lot of our personality onto, because the Bible doesn't tell us the personality of Jesus. It doesn't tell us the personality of King David or Moses. We have to try and read into some of these things about these kind of, but it tells us a lot about the character of some of these people from how they handle certain situations so i just want to bring up why i'm bringing this up is is that to know yourself in biblical terms is to have an understanding of your your character um because what you lots of what we do in church planting will be based on who you are as much as as what you do Right, so, so a lot of church planting will be based on who you are. A lot, for me, church, a lot of church leadership has come down to wisdom more than knowledge. Okay? And wisdom becomes a character shaping trait rather than a, a, a skill, right? So knowledge I have, I have tons of books i have accessed a vast amount of knowledge i don't know it all in my head right now but uh, i've got access to it and but actually wisdom to respond to a certain person dealing with a certain issue in a certain way and giving them the help and the advice and the friendship they need through whatever it is which is the stuff of a lot of the stuff of church planting um that comes down to wisdom. It comes down to godliness often more than gifting. It comes down to holiness often more than vision. Um, I think some so. A lot of these things get rooted in our character rather than first and foremost our uh, our talents, which would be kind of what we what we'll get to. So. If a, So I would argue a personality test is not, and I think most of you, none of you said that other than me. So I'm thinking the same way. Um, uh, but I would say those kind of resources are not necessarily the first or the best ways of knowing ourselves or helping other people. You know, are w- working with with people knowing themselves. They're not the best ways of, of working out what we have to bring to to our to our church to find out the ways in which we can be most fruitful, which is what we'll what we'll come to. So again, quick two minute discussion with somebody, um, how would the gospel help you answer the question of knowing what we have to bring, what contribution we have to make? How would the bottle of the Bible, the story of the gospel, what what god has done for you how does that how does that give you a resource does it give you a resource to knowing who you are and what you have to bring to a church or a pioneering context does the question make sense or, or is anyone okay so how does so you can how how does the story of the bible or the story of the gospel help you answer the question what do i have to bring to this pioneering context that I'm in. So we're drawing, trying to draw from the story of the gospel, working out who, who I am. A lot of people going, I've never thought of that question that way before. That's interesting. Go for it, two minutes, just try and work out what you think I mean, <laughs> if, I'm, if I haven't been clear still. I think I'm have a question. What the to I I you You're know. Okay, I'll I'll, uh, I'll tell you where I'm where I where I think I'm heading with this. Um, it's been a theme in our time together already. I know you've picked it up, but fruitfulness has come through a lot. So Steph talked about fruitfulness in his in his first session mike has referred to it different um times in his uh seminars other people have has come out and about We want to be fruitful okay and so life in the sweet spot where from if it's in biblical terms where you where what we want to see is out of who we are the way that god has made us and gifted us we're seeing things happen that are bearing fruit for our churches the kingdom of god um and and therefore, yeah, we sense in our, a, a deep satisfaction because we are bearing fruit uh, in a way that is, yeah, God, this is what I was made for. This is the way, gosh, it's so exciting to see this happen as a result of the things that God has put within me and taught me and, and made me and shaped me. Okay, so fruitfulness is kind of, this is where we're heading. I want to look at, trying to lay the ground off, how do we know how to become fruitful and how does the gospel shape fruitfulness okay so the reason why i'm trying to get to think this through is is that for me i think fruitfulness as a person as a, as a believer and follower of christ comes out of knowing and understanding the gospel so having my security and my identity first so before again before i get to my my talents and the things that i do and the functions that i i would put my time and energy into i want to know my security and identity as who i am in christ okay so so it's again trying if i'm working with the guys i've been working with the people in my church the team one of the first things i want them to know in a, in, a, in a church plant, we often want to give people something to do first. We're looking for people to do things. And yet I want people to know who they are in Christ. So that they're operating out of a secure sense of identity. Identity comes from somewhere else other than the things that you do. right? So if my identity is teacher, evangelist, apostle, prophet... And, and those things aren't happening for whatever reason. I am a frustrated person. I sense my identity, and no one is recognizing me as a teacher. And I think that I should be preaching in this church, and no one's recognizing that. And I sense this is who I am. Then I am going to, you're going to, you're going to have conflict. You know, it's going to be frustration because my identity is rooted in a function first. Right? My identity is rooted in a function. Instead of in something that goes even deeper. So here are four questions. I've learned them from a guy called um, Jeff Van Stelt, who's uh, written a book called Saturate. I really recommend it on disciple ship making. Um, and he, in his church planting training that he's done, um, kind of four basic questions that you ask, which apply to all sorts of um, all sorts of areas. Um, the first question is, who is God? So, what we do, fruitfulness, comes out of understanding who God is. Okay, first question, who is God? The second question is, what has God done? So, again, we, we're rooting ourselves in the character of God, the nature of God, the actions of God. Uh, as a result, then, the third question is, who are, who are we? Who are we in the light of who, who God says he is, what God has done, who am I, then, as a result? So, I... God says that He is uh, that He is Father. Okay. Uh, he, what has God done? God has sent His Son to redeem people so they may be adopted by faith into His family. So who am I? I am a child of God. Okay. That's where I get being a child, a son, a son of the King from. So King, you know, God is a King he has sent the prince of peace to rule and reign over the earth so who am I? I am a member of the kingdom of God so my identity is rooted in who God is and what God has done and then out of that the last question is, is what should we do? well as a member of the kingdom of God I represent the king I am sent to the people around them to tell them of the king or the the, the coming king you do not know that Jesus is Lord and King this was Peter's sermon at Pentecost do you not know that that this Jesus whom you crucified God has made king and he's going to be the judge of the living and the dead and so therefore you should repent right? so that's who, who is God what has God done who am I, my identity, and then what should we do? And if you happen to do it the other way around, you don't get a good, uh, view of who God is if you work back from what should I do? Right? Try and work out. If, if your, if your focus is on doing an activity, uh, and trying to work out who God is from that, you're gonna end up with a, Uh, performance-based, driven understanding of the nature of God. So I don't think it works that way. But fruitfulness comes out of security. Fruitfulness, for me, comes out of knowing your identity. Um, When you are secure in who you are, you can trust God in times where fruitfulness seems... The, the the immediate results of the harvest of whatever it is you're looking for and as church planting is often looking for new people or salvation or something if that's hard to come by for all sorts of different reasons you are therefore not insecure and troubled by that because you're secure in who you are in God does that make sense? Yeah. so what we what we're going to try and get to is towards first fruitfulness and then lastly kind of function, what kind of you know, who who am I what kind of gifts has God put in me and therefore to to contribute and how do I how do I guard those things but before we get to fruitfulness I think we have to you just have to know who are you in Christ and feel really safe and secure in that, that there's real grace in knowing that you are loved by God and that comes from who he is that he is good and he is holy that he is father that um and uh, so I was, yeah, talking um, to guys in Helsinki on Sunday and we we're talking about church and we we're talking about being a family of God. And we we're saying, well, we're 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 family because God is father. The way you think about church, the way you shape and plant churches should have some connection to who God is so so god is so four. very very quickly summarize the way i answered those questions relationship to church was the four ways that god talks about himself who god says he is he is the father to a family he is the husband to a bride he is the head of a body and he is the spirit that fills a temple so these are ways that god has revealed himself in relation to the church so the church and what has god done he has he has made a way for a family to, to extend his family, to adopt sons and daughters. He has connected himself to a body. He has uh, He has chosen and bought and, and redeemed a bride. And he is waiting to fill with his presence a temple and therefore who are we well, we are that place that temple that god wants to fill we are that bride whom who god has chosen for his son that he's desired and pursued and bought and paid the price for we are the the sons and daughters of the family that god has always wanted to have and therefore this is the way we try and build church so that we are these kind of things um coming out of who god What has god done who are we as a result what do we do Shaping. So for us, we're trying to shape church around what God says about church. Does that make sense? So that should, that works for you and what you do. And that works for you and your life and you being fruitful. So uh, fruitfulness. Let's get to fruitfulness. Um, so for me, this is the, the, the sweet spot of the sense of being fruitful. Uh, that somehow in the providence and mystery of God, he uses you... So that the kingdom of God grows and that the church grows and there is a connection to gifting. Uh, so an evangelist is likely to connect your gifting. You will see fruitfulness in terms of and through the lens, the lenses of your gifting. So if you if you have an evangelistic gifting, you will. Deterred fruitfulness will look a certain way. It will be turned by people who have responded to the gospel or who have um, heard the gospel or you, you will see fruitfulness in that way. Uh, You won't see it as as a pastor, you'll see it as people who have uh, been set free and know their identity in Christ. If you are uh, a general church leader, you may see it simply through the number of people who are with you on a Sunday. Um, You might see it in different lenses, your gifting, uh, being slightly teasing the just church leaders in that sense. but The teacher might see fruitfulness as people hearing and understanding the word of God. You know, people reading the Bible would be for me fruitfulness as a result of teaching. Um, So you're likely to to see fruitfulness through the lens of what you, the way God has made you, and some of your stronger gifts. Um, But there is a process, which again, both Mike and Steph have have referred to it. Um, What? So, again, question, quick question. I have got five. Five aspects, keys to fruitfulness that, that we themes that we pick up in the Bible, and they all have a, uh, if you like, a theme, a connection to them. So they would uh, they would fit together. So the picture the Bible gives of these five keys to to fruitfulness would work. Each one, even though in different places, would work with each other and build on each other as a as an image. Okay, quick. Break it down again, talk with someone, five come up five keys to fruitfulness. What do you think they are? Go. Two minutes. Trying to make you know, it much better that you think it through than me just simply telling you. What do you think the keys to fruitfulness are? Or what is needed to be in order for you to be fruitful according to the Bible. se ho anche per via di quello che è successo e poi Okay, so yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just I'm I'm, I'm I'm putting on these little just things discussion cuz for me, it's you know, for, well, for me, for me, for all of us, it's four o'clock in the afternoon. I don't know what I'm saying. For me, is for all of us, four o'clock in the afternoon, uh, and just, but also, not just to kind of keep us alive and engaged, um, but also, it's much more important that we learn. Oh yeah, you know what? If I, if I don't know how to answer these questions. Where am I going to go for how am I going to find things um, when I'm talking with other people you've got to be you' to say, do you know what the Bible says about how you be a fruitful follower of Christ? And so we, we've got to we've got to learn how to very quickly try and draw from what God has taught us and, and make this so that we can help other people. We want to help other people be fruitful followers of Christ um, and so you'll you'll have conversations with them and they'll sit there and sort of yeah. Um, so here are my five. Um, uh, and uh, let me just open up my Bible. So my five things first that we need is good soil. Okay, so if you talk about fruitfulness, Jesus in his parable of the sower, sows seed and some of it is this of the seed that is sown in the parable of the sower ends up not being fruitful, right? so some of it is on the stone some of it is thrown into weeds uh, some of it is thrown onto rocky ground is that right? I've got those first three right Um, and doesn't end up it looks like it might produce something a couple of them look like they might get there but things come in and it ends up being not fruitful. But the last key ingredient, and Jesus in this, uniquely amongst his parables, spells out what each of the elements of the parable mean. That doesn't happen very often. It does in this parable. Um, the last one is good soil. And he explains what he means by good soil. So this is in um, uh, Matthew chapter 13, if you need <laughs> a reference for the parable of... Uh, so I go to Matthew 13 around verse 23 and Jesus spells it out and he says it's hearing the word receiving the word and understanding the word Okay, so it's hearing my words it's receiving my words and understanding my words Jesus says which is exactly what Steph said the thing about following Jesus is you listen to what Jesus says and then you do it so we have made in our kind of culture understanding simply a uh, yes, I, I I I get what you mean. I understand what you were your your words. But to Jesus in a Jewish culture, as a rabbi teaching people, I know you have understood my words when you have done my words. Okay, that's how I know you have understood, not that you can repeat it back. So anyone here seen Francis Chan's uh, little illustration on how not to make disciples? Talking about Simon Says. Anyone seen that? Okay, brilliant. Um, It's uh, I'll try and I'll try and repeat. Who knows the game Simon Says? Um, So in in English is Simon Says, pat your head and and you'll pat your head. You don't have to do it. It's okay. We can if you like. (laughs) What did you do in your seminar? We played Simon Says. So it's but you do that. You know, you copy that you or you follow the leader. You know, you, the, this kid, I used to do this as a, you know, there's no app for it now. So, as a kid, we used to play in my garden and they must follow the leader and you'd try, you know, and then you'd start off sort of walking around a tree and then you'd get a bit bored with that and you'd try to make it, you know, run through this gorse bush and run through, jump through this puddle And boys, you know, getting all muddy and filthy and follow the leader. You do what the leader did. Simon says, you do, you, and, um, but as, Disciples of Jesus, Jesus says, comes a different story in churches. A lot of Jesus says, go and do this, and we're, you go come back and go, well, I've memorized what you said. You said, go make disciples. So he tells the example, if my, if, uh, his daughter comes to him and I've told her to go clean your room, and she comes back to me and says, Dad, I've memorized what you said. You said, go clean your room. And he's like, yeah, I can say it in Greek. (laughs) I I uh, can, I'm going to invite my friends over to my, to our house and we're going to have a study of what it would look like if I cleaned my room. It's like, no, go clean your room. And so for us as Jesus, so Jesus is, go make disciples. Go make disciples. Go go, do what Jesus says. So as understanding, so for Jesus when he says understanding your word, he means, are you doing it? Luke, Luke, uh, was it Luke 9? You know, uh, Luke 9 to 10, you know, sending the 12 out. Um, go do what I have shown you how to do, right? So the fruit, we know we are good soil and you know you have good soil in your churches when people are hearing the word of God receiving it into their hearts and then doing something with it, right? So we are to be not merely hearers of the word, but doers of the word, right? Right? Yes, not yet, yes. Um, so the next thing we need, and I can't believe how many people have referenced my my, my uh, talk, is um seed seed needs to, what does a seed need to do in order to bear fruit? It needs to die. Right. Right? So it needs to die to A seed in order to bear fruit, John chapter 12 verse 24 a seed, when a seed dies, it bears fruit. So we need to see in order for there to be fruitfulness there is also an aspect of dying to our old self dying to the flesh in order that we might live for christ so as we're wanting to be fruitful and you want people in your churches to be fruitful again before we even get to what you're going to do you are know, their heart is are you dying to yourself do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit but in all things you know Philippian, uh, philippians chapter 2 have the mind of christ so the soil is, I am willing, Jesus, to, I hear what you say, and I am going to do my best to do what you say. The seed is, as a result of doing what you say, I am going to, some of, some things in me may have to die. You know, my ambition for this may have to die in order to do what you say to me. Uh, the next thing is um, water. Right? So in order to be fruitful, Psalm chapter one verse three. Uh, in order that we may bear fruit, we need God to water uh, this. We are thirsty. We need water. We need the. We need God. What does it say? Uh, what does Paul say? Uh, uh, I'm one uh, planted, another one watered. Uh, God gives the growth. But someone has to water what is there. Someone has to provide, you know, we need a culture of or an environment where we are regularly receiving from on high. And so, for some people, you know, person comes through like maybe pray, you know, worship or receiving. We are being watered from above in order that we may be fueled by. I think for me, the spirit of the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. John um, chapter. So that's. These are all these. You know, so soil, seed, water, and the fourth one is still agricultural because Jesus talks about it in the context of a vine. Is abiding, okay? So remaining into the vine. All right. So in order to be fruitful, you have to have a rest in. So John chapter yeah, just say John 15, verse five says, "I am the vine; you are the branches." whoever abides in me and i in him he is that bears much fruit for apart from me you can do nothing right so i mean if if that there's a key to fruitfulness right there apart from me you can do nothing right so um so how so abiding in christ resting in what he has done resting in which is why i say going what who is god what has god done and and I rest in what God has, God, God has done and who Jesus, what Jesus is, he has done and is doing and in that. So for me, I planted a church in England and, uh, there's the first church and I was about 25 when I first led that church, um, until, uh, for about from when it first began to start until, uh, about 35. So about 10, about 10 years and, I worked really hard, uh, and every Sunday, every decision, everything that happened in the church, good or bad, felt like a reflection on me, uh, and I carried the weight of this church uh, for, for years, feeling the weight of it, that if it failed, it was my fault. If we had a good Sunday, it was my fault. Uh, about if it was my fault if we had a bad sunday it was my fault if it was a good sunday you know well maybe i've done something right uh and you know attendance you know if attendance was down i would be down if things were up i would we had a good Sunday someone shared a prophetic word I'd feel much better and happier about things my whole identity was resting in the performance of this church which is why starting with number 4 what should we do is a terrible place to start because th- this way of building this church was I made it so much harder for myself uh, uh, and at the end of the day it wore me out and, and just stole so much peace and joy and trust in, in, you know, relationship in terms of just resting in who God is and what God has done. And so came to plant a church again and God just said, showed, showed me what he said. And he said, Jesus said, I will build my church. And suddenly I knew, I mean, I, it's not like I'd never read those words before. Um, but suddenly it was. Jeez, I'd just become convinced. I just needed to take Jesus at his word about the things that he that he said he would do. So the building of the church, for me as a church planter, was not something that was that goes under my job description. The building of the church is something Jesus said he would do. And so suddenly I just felt the weight of church come off me. I suddenly go. Okay so this week is a complete chaos because something is happening over here or is this week oh well, jesus said he would build his church so right now in our church in Stockholm we have uh uh a, it's come to light there's one guy who we've suddenly realized how much debt he is in um tens of thousands well, in crowns hundreds of thousands of crowns Uh, So tens of thousands of euros, Um, uh, someone else who's working through uh, being abused in their past, Uh, someone else, uh, Syrian uh, refugees just dealing with uh, their family being in Syria, Uh, other people just got married, working out how their new life comes together. Babies being born, people looking for jobs, it's all, you know, different stuff. My program is in peace. <laughs> you know, program, program. Um, and I said, Jesus, you said you build your church. And what I would have done eight, ten years ago is I'd have felt the weight of every single one of those situations as if it was my thing. That I had to sort out. And if I didn't sort it out, this church this church plant which felt God would call me to, you know, was gonna fail. And and everyone was looking at me to make it right and, and make the right decision and make the right call. And I said, Jesus, you said you'd build your church. So learning to abide in Christ is just to start with, what a relief for me. I'm not um, uh it's not gonna kill me this church plant. Because it's on, it's on Jesus. It's on His shoulders. So I'm abiding in Him, and therefore I am feeling much more fruitful in the things that I am doing. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? So it's just a personal kind of, you know, thing. Um, the last thing, so it's an agricultural kind of analogy: soil, seed, water, remaining connected to Christ, abiding in Him, and what He has done. Here's the, you know, here's the vine. We are the branches. Getting that the right way round. I thought I was the vine and, you know, pruning, pruning. So John 15 verse 2, in order to bear much fruit, every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Oh, ouch. But every branch that does bear fruit, God, I'm being fruitful to you. I'm going to prune you. Ouch. Hold on a minute. (laughs) You sure? Uh, I get the fruit the not fruitful you cut away i get you know get rid of the deadwood but i'm not deadwood jesus i'm bearing fruit now i'm going to cut you back uh. but in order that it may bear more fruit wow so whenever jesus prunes me and prunes us in a way is in order that we may bear more fruit now there are a number of ways i've noticed this One is that sometimes he takes, in order for our church to be more fruitful, he takes people out of our church. Sometimes for good reasons, uh, as in they're going off somewhere else, so it's fruitfulness. I miss my friends who have started a new or community. I no longer see them week by week. They are starting something in their neighborhood. I miss them, and I feel their absence. I feel kind of pruned. You know, What we are doing in our house, in our area, is now less as a result of their, their going, right? Other times, because I am generally interested in how many people are with us, but there are some people who are with us who aren't good for us actually there are things in them and about them uh, or in their heart that just aren't really with us in terms of joining hearts and hands and it is good for us that they are no longer with us but I feel it because what, part of me is what I'm interested in is when I come to these things and people say how many people in your church I can say a big number right? and I'm just honest that I want to be able to say a bigger number each time I meet people who I've seen before you know. I want to be able to say last time it was twenty and this time it's thirty or fifty or you know and yeah now we're pushing on to this number. Woo-hoo. You know, um and I you know and there's good reasons for that, but there's also within me, if I'm honest, there are selfish reasons for that. You know, there are ambitious reasons in me for that. And sometimes but actually God is God cares less about the numbers in order that in order for us to bear fruitfulness, he will cut cut you back because there may be people in you for your own good who actually you'll be healthier and happier if they're not with you every week. That's nice. So, uh, okay, so God's aim, intent and aim, and so this is encouraging, is that we would be fruitful. That our churches would be fruitful 30 times, 60 times or 100 times. Now, I don't want to be too kind of rigid about each of those numbers, but I like the idea that our, that our church would be, you know, 30 times, 60 times, or 100 times. I don't know which one of those God has for us as a great shir- as as grace church, or for me. But I'm believing that either, that I'm happy with 30 times, I'll be happy 60 times, I'll be happy 100 times. Whatever God has. Um, but in other words, exceedingly fruitful. Um, a harvest of righteousness. God's pictures of fruitfulness are abundant pictures of fruitfulness. Um, so uh, as Mike Betts said, uh, you know, fruitfulness comes down in part down to obedience. Um, listen to what he says, do what he says. So question, two minutes or one minute with someone. When and where do you feel you have been the most fruitful in your life? So just say to someone, I felt I was the most fruitful uh, uh, at this place at this time because, you know, and I was doing this. Okay? So very quick question. When and where do you feel you have been the most fruitful? Okay. Just want to just read a couple of verses, just uh, encourage us that God intends us for fruitfulness. Um, So Colossians 1, verse 9 to 10. On the notes, if you want them, I'll share them with you. There's more verses, but it's just a couple here. Colossians 1, verse 9 to 10 says, Paul writes to the church and says, From the day we heard, we have not ceased to pray for you, Asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So, knowledge and understanding so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So Paul's hope was that Colossians would, in, in, in their walk with the Lord, in, in all areas, Bearing fruit in every good work. In everything you do, you know, in everything you do, uh, God has prepared for us in advance good works for us to do and that those good works would be would bear fruit, it would be fruitful to him. So, and then jo- Jesus prays uh, in John 15, verse 16, You didn't choose me. You didn't choose me. I chose you and appointed you. So just, maybe just kind of, you know, this is words of God. This is what God says to you. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name he may give it to you. And often we de- detach that last whatever you ask for in my name from the context around and that, that God's responds to those who ask because to those who are abiding in his son abiding in Christ and who are bearing fruits to the one who is it's a parable of the talents so the one who is producing most gets given more even to the one who has even more will be given but even to the one who doesn't have even that will be taken from him and you go, oh, that sounds a bit harsh. But Jesus has said it loads of times. If you're not bearing fruit, I'm going to cut you off. This fig tree that's withered, you know, there's no, no fruit on it. You're going to wither. Jesus intends for us to bear fruit. That is his plan. And that's how, you know, and we bear fruit because we abide in him. And, and, and as we do that, God hears our, us, God responds to us because we're abiding in his son and bearing fruit. And then we will bear more fruit. He will give us whatever we ask for in His name. Amazing. So God intends for us to bear fruitful, be, be fruitful. So when you thought of the time and the place where you felt that you have been most fruitful, there's a question for you just to think, to think through. What lens are you seeing fruitfulness in? In what kind of terms are you seeing fruitfulness in? So is it salvation or is it in, uh, uh in your in the workplace you know for some for you 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 know you're not answering this in terms of church if nolda was here she would be saying i would have felt most fruitful when i successfully managed this project of 150 million euros it was and we and our team accomplished this this and this in the north sea you know or around the world or, or whatever it is that for me that's fruitfulness working out the things that god for her has got that's fruitfulness it's fruitfulness. Or she could say, actually, well, another aspect of fruitfulness was when my colleagues came and asked me to pray for them. You know, that's ah, fruitfulness. It's fruitfulness. So how you just have a think. When you think of fruitfulness, what terms were you thinking of it in? So as in, what for you does success, you know, and, and we have to be a little bit careful here because the Bible doesn't talk about success. It talks about fruitfulness. But for one of the ways we think of you know we we would think of fruitfulness in in, in terms of yeah I'm this is going well, <laughs> this is good uh, succeed, something there is some success here. In what terms are you thinking it of so uh, maybe maybe a few people should shout out I, I was thinking of it in in this way, maybe this way i and because it says something, what we're getting to is this is going to say something to you about who you are and how God's made you right so what the personality test does is it asks you questions. And you give them the answer, and it goes, this is what you've just said. And you go, oh, yeah, I know that. But it helps you see it. And so, where have you seen fruit? Helps you understand who you are and how God has made you. Does that make sense? Okay, so how have you seen fruitfulness? In what kind of terms would you have seen it? Give a few people to shout out. Yeah, salvation. Okay, evangelist, maybe. Could be. People being healed. Great. Yeah. So for me, fruit, so for, sense of that, fruitfulness looks like people being, praying, praying for people who are sick and seeing them get healed. There, there you anyway, are. There's an aspect of fruitfulness out of the way I think what God's laid on my heart. Anyone else? People being set free of addiction. So, f, see, it's going to be different for each one of you. For me, fruitfulness wouldn't necessarily be that, even though I would delight in hearing in those stories. But that wouldn't be for me what, how I would just, Describe fruitfulness, but that's really, really important. I will praise God. Yeah, somebody, some, someone else saying, okay. seeing the, the the why, okay, yeah. Why are we? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. See that? Yeah. 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 So there's a releasing, you know, uh, I feel fruitful when people understand the why of who they are and what they do and therefore are released into that. There's a fruitfulness in seeing other people get it. Yeah? Okay. Again, someone else might not see fruitfulness like that. So these are revealing things about how what God's putting in our hearts and who we are, fruitfulness is looking different. Anyone else want to share a few? Yes. Mm. Hmm. Yeah. That, absolutely. So, I mean, to me, that's a. That would be a pastoral heart for people, seeing people, or a discipleship, a disciple's heart for people, saying, okay, someone is not, you know, they're, they're a little bit interested in Jesus, they're calm, and they're, you know. But then, you see them, you know, we would maybe use language like, now they're really on fire for God. Yeah? Fruitfulness. I saw this, uh, and I know you're... So con- 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 me. I saw this teenager come into the group and they were a little bit oh, it's alright then we would do we did this and now look at them they're praying they're sharing their faith oh, pff- wow you know fruitfulness fruitfulness yeah how we're how we're how you see fruitfulness is really important and I think it's a really good question to ask How when I think of fruitfulness what do I think of okay. and it's a good question to ask people um what again uh question what challenges do you face now god isn't limited where you have been fruitful in the past may not necessarily be where you will be fruitful always in the future um you may be fruitful you know we're more than one dimensional okay so you are not you know god is not mono gifting um and you may have a major gift but you may have other gifts which in different times and places are are fruitful in different ways um and i just you know kind of recognize the breadth and the depth of what god does in us we're we're as people we're really rich and complex and multi-gifted and there are different things at different times that draw uh your you know different moments that come out so my wife for example is a brilliant listener uh, but she's also hugely creative, with the ch- with, particularly with children um, and young children. So in one context, you know, her, her gift of listening is a huge uh, blessing and grace to people who need to pour out their heart. And she's incredibly – and therefore will see fruit in their lives as a result of her listening skill. Um, children – she's fruitful in the area of children – uh, because she is creative and is, comes up with all sorts of great ideas and joins in with where they're at and the level they're at and, and gets them to engage with something in, in loads of different ways. The two things are not particularly connected, but can be equally fruitful, right? So that's, that's just the point I'm saying. is that while, while you might think of it in one dominant terms, you, you will also could bear fruit in lots of other ways as well. Um, and it's worth also remembering uh, don't just lock in into, you know, one thing and think that's just the thing. There, there, there's more to you and more to what God does than, than that. But what challenges in the area where you think you perhaps are most fruitful uh, or would long to be more fruitful in, in this particular area, what challenges, uh, what obstacles uh, are there in life or that you face that would stop you being fruitful? Okay, so what must we overcome in order to be fruitful? What, what challenges there? Challenges do you face? Again, yeah, go on. Take take a one minute or think. Just think about this one actually. Rather than talk about it, maybe just write down because these could be. This could be something just for you. I think. Um, what stops you being more fruitful? I think it's a really helpful, I think it's a really important question um, because sometimes it goes actually deep into who I am and sometimes it just deals with circumstances. So I can give you a trivial and uh, a, a kind of a deeper example. Um, so a trivial ex- example would be... Um, you know, I, I want, I want to, I, I thought of four words which kind of I want, you know, when I hit, I was getting to hit 40, I, I just wanted to kind of go, what do I really want to be about? And I narrowed it down to four words which I, which would just help me go, I want to focus my time and energy into these things. So for me, they were, uh, write, read, run, lead. Okay, so I wanted to give my energies to writing and reading. Writing being a creative expression that I enjoy. Reading being that I'm learning. I want to be growing. I want to be someone who is taking on board new things and always kind of not, you know, uh, running because I want to, I, you know, I want to look after who I am. I want to be fit and healthy. I want to do. I want to run this. Want to run the race we're in good shape for as long as I can and you know I don't want to just kind of you know my body to let me down you know I don't know other things might not be in control of but out of just kind of being lazy I don't want my body to let me down in the next 10 years right so run and I enjoy running it's good for me it's good for my head it's good for uh that and lead you know I feel God has made me to be a leader and I want to be fruitful in the air. I want to be fruitful in, in all those areas right so so those things. Running, uh, and Gordon can help me, uh, give me some coaching in a, uh, in the break, um, is ru- running right now. I'm just a bit all over the place. Okay, so running is finally at heart my motivation and just getting out the door and just, uh, you know, getting my butt off a seat or out of bed and, 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 and run. Even though I really enjoy it and I know it's good for me, I can feel all those things. Some. Can't get myself going. Can't, can't. You know, so it's a bit all over the place. And so what I'm saying is, is, is within me there are there are practical issues. Oh, I can't find a time that works. I've got to do this in the morning and then I've got to do this at lunch and I can't find a time. Okay, so there are practical, there are practical things which are obstacles to overcome, to stop that that I need to solve practically in my I need to make some adjustments in my daily routine in order to be if I want to be fruitful in this area of running right so I need to figure out my weekly patterns of life and my habits in order to make it easier for me to do what I want to do same go for maybe writing or reading you know I need to switch off my mobile and pick up a book I need to Do something different at different times in order to read the things I want to read. So they can apply it to different areas. There are other things. There are these are practical. I could solve that. We could talk about it. Other things. Actually, deep down, sometimes I'm just flipping lazy. You know, Uh, or in other areas, I'm just don't want to do it. You know, there's within me a resistance to. Oh, I don't want to do that. I don't want to do it, and I'm deeply, deeply kind of. I don't. Know if that's going to make me uncomfortable. I don't want to do it. So, like Steph said, you know, tempt. You know, we are temptation. Um, sometimes we just want this other thing more. And so, the the having these forwards prompts me to makes me. How much do I want this? how much do i want this and some of us for some of some of the time we are not fruitful because we don't really want it right and i know that i know for for those from uh clearly for those who are evangelistic when did you last share the gospel with someone you know it's like wow no do you really want to be fruitful in that area you've got to talk to somebody (laughs) you've got to share the gospel uh, well, you don't really want to then. And so there's, you know, there's something sometimes in us is actually, I'm a bit afraid or whatever it is. So there are all sorts of ways we can withdraw back and not really want to do it because we, we're afraid or we don't want, you know, just rather do this or, or it's just comfier. It's just easier to, it's easier. For, it's much more easier for me to sit and watch TV than it is to go out for a run when it's raining. See, one is easy, one is hard, one is in the area of fruitfulness and needs me to be the kind of person I want to be in 10 years' time and the other one doesn't, but I do what's easy. And that goes for spiritual things as well. So there can be issues of character issues or practical issues. Uh, And I think it's worth you taking time out, plan to think, and work through those two things. One, you might be able to solve on by yourself or within your family. Practical things that are stopping me from being more fruitful in this area. Areas of character and and, and seeing you you need to work through with someone. You don't, you know, we we just don't get there on our own being able to solve those things. Um, And we need to have a friend and go, you know, I'd love to be more fruitful in the area of disciple making. Um, but I'm not doing it because of this. And so, you know, I need, you know, I need to, I need to work it through. Um, okay. Uh, last few minutes, there are three, um, three areas, which I've just thought, which I thought of, which kind of, for me are connected with just bearing fruit and, and function. Um, Oh, I've completely missed an area. um, so, okay, the, make this homework. <laughs> uh, f- you know, the four areas, five areas where, um, five passages where I'll get, I'll, I'll read them out, the passages where Bible talks about function, about gifting um, areas. So Romans 12, verse 4 to 8, there's a description of different kind of gifts within the church. So Romans 12, verse 4 to 8, Um Again, you can share all these references later. 1 Corinthians 12, 7 to 10. Another list Paul has. Uh, Ephesians 4, 10 and 11, you know, is given to the church, some to be apostles, prophets, evangelists, teachers and pastors. Uh, 1 Peter 4 verse 10, uh, and 1 Corinthians 7 verse 7. There are different areas of function, um, within the church and those, this would be the areas of uh, the things you do. Yeah. So you go identify with doing this and this area of gifting. Identify with caring for the needs of other people. You know, that's that's a that's an area where I feel that my heart isn't. So uh, you will be most fruitful when you are doing the things that you that that kind of you know connects to your heart. And so I mean that's pretty basic stuff. I don't know if you really want to go you know, too much into it. If you've never done it, read some of the lists and go, God, what's in my heart? And if you, you, know, you will be happier and healthier and more fruitful if you are guarding doing those things and focusing on doing those things. Um, one of the areas where I find in church planting in particular provides a challenge to fruitfulness. And so there may be one or two areas you feel more gifted in than others, but church planting requires gen- uh, you to be a generalist So, you know, you need to just be doing bits of all sorts of things. And you think, I just really want to give myself to doing this. But there's this and this and this that needs doing. Okay, so that can be, that can be a challenge. For me, uh, early days of church planting, I really wanted, I still, you know, I really wanted to study in order to teach because that's where I felt fruitful. But I needed to do, this amount of administration I need to do this organisation I need to do some of this pastoral stuff I needed to do some of this sort of stuff and I spend all my time doing these sorts of things and I end up not feeling fruitful because I don't feel like I've got I just haven't got the time to focus on the one area where I do feel fruitful but I don't know how to get all of these other kind of stuff done so I have to do them and if you end up being a leader in the church and you have time then because you've got time and everyone else is working you start doing the stuff that you don't feel necessarily equipped for that ends up you feel stressed and a bit burnt out and not very fruitful uh, and you get stuck right Uh, I know that isn't just me because I've talked to other church planters who found themselves in those kind of situations before so one of the key things is, is that we have to remember is we don't do fruitfulness on our own right it's not a single person The the Christian walk and the Christian life and and, and living in community and and, and building and being a part of the kingdom of God and church is not something we do on our own. So we just need to learn how to work with other people. And so teaming our weaknesses um, and, uh, and, and, and knowing how to say no to stuff and knowing how to trust God for that he will take care of it Um, So one of the areas in our uh, church is that we do worship through YouTube because we haven't got gifted worship leaders right now. And so we could try and I'm not happy with, in one sense, the kind of that. I hope it won't be a long lasting situation that we rely. It doesn't mean we get Matt Redman, you know, to lead us worship and, you know, whoever, you know, whoever. Um, But. It doesn't really, you know, it's a temporary thing. But what would happen if I was try, if I tried to, you know, we, we tried to just try and force something into that? It's not going to work. We just have to. I have to trust God that He sees the area where I can't do it. So I can't lead worship. Um, you, you know, I just can't. I have, I can't sing well enough. I haven't got the musical thing. You know, I'm not trying to force myself into a model that just, that I just can't do because that will really ruin it, (laughs) really ruin it for for, for everyone. But sometimes we think we should have this, we must have this. Well, I've just got to trust God. I've got to trust God that he knows and that in his time, he will bring to us the gifts and the people that we need. And we're beginning to see him start to do that. And it helps me to know that this, again, reminds me that Jesus said he would build his church and it's not on my shoulders. Yeah, it's a team my weakness. The other thing is, is don't be a progress stopper. Um, uh, I like American football, um, and uh, I re- follow a team, and they talk about the, the sort of journalists talk about these veterans on the team. So people who've been in the league, playing the sport for ten years or more, and they're good, they're good players, but there's a younger player coming up underneath who've got a higher ceiling than where they have right now but maybe aren't quite haven't got the experience and so this veteran player has got sort of greater experience but right now his career trajectory is going down and the younger player has got a career trajectory that's going going up right but if he if if the coach doesn't take him out of the get out and let the young player develop so this person is called a progress stopper He's good, he's alright, he'll get the job done for you, but actually he's stopping younger people will help you get better. And my goodness me, when I <clears throat> thought about, oh ouch, ouch, you know, him, for me to be fruitful as a church, in a church plant and fruitful in the kingdom of God, actually I have to think way beyond me way beyond me being personally fruitful I have to think about other people being fruitful and I have to think about how I'm releasing and enabling them and sometimes I have to get out of the way in order for them to get the experience and time in the game to become fruitful because you know that's the way you know, and there'll be different seasons of life when that would be more important than others. But we just have to remember, actually, it, when I'm still, when I think I'm being fruitful, I could still be a progress stopper for somebody else. I thought, oh, that's really worth me bearing in mind. Really worth me trying to remember um, that it isn't simply about. I think, again, Western culture is a lot about personal fulfillment, a lot about you becoming who you were always meant to be and fulfilling your dreams and you realizing your potential. But in a church, it's not necessarily all about you realizing your potential. It's about a whole church realizing the church's potential. It's about a whole church rising to maturity in Christ and being all who God has intended for you as a community of people. And not just simply about you as an individual. So I have to I have to not be a progress stopper. I have to kind of realise that fruitfulness is in connection with others, and 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 I need others. I have to trust God. And I think the last one is is that um, fruitfulness comes when I'm when I'm living by faith. Uh, so two Corinthians five seven says, you know, we, we walk by faith and not by sight. And I think that the air, when, when I start to trust God, listen to the Spirit and say, and the Spirit sort of says, I'd really like you to go, you know, I want you to go and do this as I'm praying and in the air and seeking God, what, what would you have me do here and here and here and whatever it is? And, and, and some of those things require faith and obedience. But as people in your church step out and are taking steps of faith and obedience, they're going to see fruit. Um, because if God has said it, is for a purpose and for a reason and when people do what god says we will see the god's you know actions uh and consequences come about and that's what makes the journey exciting and then you begin to grow in fruit so you see it when someone learns to prophesy for the first time or someone prays for the sick for the first time and they get healed and you say right go and you know go and you go and do it now and you, you keep on doing that and you see them grow in it right um it's a, but the first time round, it's scary as heck um, you know it's really it's really, really you know frightening so it's steps of faith and obedience and uh, that's what leads to you know that's a key part to fruitfulness but you know that obedience I think we've heard that that bit so hope there's something there that was helpful thoughtful you can take away with you think through think through with your uh, partners or with your team how to how to be fruitful how do we uh, if we're doing that if we're finding our our function on our gift, if we, we're creating the conditions in our character and our heart to uh, soil the seed, water abiding, willingness to be pruned by God when necessary in order to gain ba- greater fruit, then what we're doing as pioneers in pioneering context, we will end up bearing fruit. And where you bear fruit for Jesus it's a really, it's a, it's a really wonderful place to be, um, it is the sweet spot, I think,